0: 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6.
1: Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara.
0: I'm Eric Carley as we begin a Monday. Gary, good morning. How are you?
2: Eh, Same, different day, same, you know. Yeah. Uh, You're ready for the same, same, ready for the same, you know. I hear, you know, here's here's some of the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did
3: my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. And I'm not saying this because I'm of a black HPCU.
2: Yeah, you are.
0: <laughs> That's the only
2: reason you're saying it. Stop with your pathological line. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get to more of that uh, uh, coming up here in a little by bit. By the I- way,
0: that was not a very enthusiastic applause.
2: No, not not what you'd think it would be. No. Right? It was all. It was almost like, okay, thanks. It was like, uh,
0: oh yeah, thanks for, thanks for
2: the thanks for the okay, shout out. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: by the way, as we, we're clapping, we're remembering your history. But I want to get to this, because this is something that we talked about last week, because Mayorkas basically says what the plan is. Mm -hmm. You know, you had we you know, we were sitting last week going, oh, okay." well, what they're doing here is this is pretty simple. What they're doing is they're opening up as many uh, they're coming up with legal pathways, you know, do an app, whatever you want to say. Just say this to get in, whether it's fraudulent or not. Now, Mm -hmm. we know that roughly eighty-five to ninety percent of asylum requests in the United States are fraudulent, mm-hmm. and so what the Biden administration has done is, knowing that uh, forty-two was going to end, they've been promoting for months the fact that you can do it on an app. By the way, sixty-two thousand apparently have done it on the app so far, mm-hmm. waiting to get in uh, with the the app alone. And then they've opened up more places. As we said, the 1,500 soldiers are going down to expedite more illegal immigrants becoming legal migrants and waiting years before they actually have to show up for their court date Mm -hmm. to find out whether their claim is fraudulent or not. It's exactly what they wanted to do. And so they were bragging over the weekend. Oh, well, I mean, we only had 6,200, then 4,200. Well, a thousand used to be a lot. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons is I, I believe is because, okay, all we have to do is we know we can get in. We know they've explained to us what we have to do to get in legally. And then we can figure out two, three, four, five, 12 years from now, you know, what we'll do when our court date comes up. But this gets us in and this gets us in legally. So we had said that last week. We said this is their plan. Mayorkas said it yesterday. Here we go.
0: Because we have communicated very clearly a vitally important message to
4: the individuals who are thinking of arriving at our southern border. There is a lawful, safe, and orderly way to arrive in the United States.
2: There you go.
0: Yep. They've told them it's it's redirection. Here's how you do it. Right. Here's... Here's how you get in and get in quickly.
2: And according to us, it will be lawful. Right, Because we're not going to verify so you can give any excuse you want. We right. can't. There's no way they can't vet anybody at the border. The law is so, only as good right. as the
0: enforcement behind it. Right. And that's exactly what they have chosen to do here in this administration.
2: Right. We said that last week. I was amazed how blunt he was stating that because they're proud of it they're like okay we have found the loophole yeah. we have just said we'll let everybody into the country if you give us the right answer here's the right answer right yeah that's what that was
0: thursday night right before we went on the air the recording the the video from mayorgas in the statement was redirection yep. hey here are your instructions to get in And that's exactly how it's going to play out. We're not going to enforce the law. So here's what you do. Here's your part. And that's exactly where this administration has been from the beginning.
2: And he was saying it over and over again. Then he said later on, but President Biden has led the greatest expansion of lawful pathways ever. Mm -hmm. Through the regional processing centers that we're now building, But we have an obligation to deliver consequences at our border, not only to manage our border, but to cut the smugglers out. So what they said is, we're going to get you in. Mm -hmm. All you've got to do is say this. All you have to do is go to the app. Here's what you say. Right. Here's how you get in.
0: And they want people to believe, by the way, the smugglers are not going to be involved in this. They're not going to take advantage of this. And that's... False.
2: Especially when you're coming up through Central America.
0: Right. That's exactly yeah. how it's going down. This is precisely what they want. The smugglers want them here because they want them to do, they want whoever they're bringing here to do the work for them. Right.
2: Just because you want to come here doesn't mean you can afford to.
0: Right. So, yeah, this is... Um, yeah, it was, it this was,
2: is the Biden yeah. plan. So that was that's the plan all along. Well, we're going to have more order at the border. There'll be long lines, but there's not going to be riots because mm-hmm. you notice it was the Democrats that were talking about the chaos. And the, as we brought up last week, mm-hmm. the chaos and the police down there for the riots. Oh, they didn't happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, see, we're successful. Yeah. See, everything went quiet. Right. No, we And we caught that last week. If you're listening to the show, we... We said, whoa, whoa. And then when the final message we went, okay, here's what he's telling them. You know, you can come in. You don't have to you don't have to try to come in uh, uh, uh through the other checkpoints. Just come in here. Everybody's in. Yep. Say these things, do these things. Right. Because everybody knows in. all you have to do is go all you have to do is go to the Border Patrol site and you find out, you know, what the legit reasons are for asylum. Right. And you simply state that. Right. Now, we know that 85 to 90% history shows has been fraudulent. Mm-hmm. That's not why they're coming. It doesn't matter. They're not going to be vetted. Right. They can't vet everybody. I'm going to do go back and check. Oh, okay, you're uh, coming in from El Salvador? Well, we have no idea how to vet this. What is it? Oh, this, this is why you're coming in? All right. Well, then come back in six years. You're into the country. Come back in six years. Yeah, you're... Um, your court date
0: is January 35th 2075. I know what you're saying. January only has 31 days.
2: Not in 2075 it won't. So, so I mean that understand what's going on here as we explained to you last week and it's just, I, what was amazing was you know you could tell. I mean, Mayor Chris was almost gleeful and mm-hmm. promoting the fact, yeah, we've just said, "Okay, huh, we'll just we'll let everybody in." Yeah, you know, it doesn't. We'll let everybody in. Just here's the right answer. Here's what you say. Here's what you do, and you get in, no questions asked, except the initial question, right? Which is, why do you wish? Why are you claiming asylum? Oh, okay, that's the correct answer.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's the one that we allow. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, and that's the one we're promoting that we allow. Right. Just amazing.
0: Here are your instructions for getting in quickly yep. and staying here for a long, 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 long time, if not forever.
2: And and expect that you're going to have the, the state of Texas and other states, because this will start affecting other states, too. They're going to double and triple down on sending the migrants, you know, say, hey, New York City is a sanctuary. Think about this. This will even be bigger, and we'll get to Newsom backing off on reparations because that, yeah. that hit over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but you think wait till Chicago or New York City say, we need to stop our sanctuary city designation. Yeah. Right. Because we can't or, handle it anymore. Or
0: they'll say, we're going to hit the pause button while we come up with a new plan. Right. It's only temporary. You mean like the temporarily displaced travelers?
2: <laughs> I mean, you saw, I mean, in, in New York, I mean, some of the counties around New York, they're, don't you dare. You know, now now there's like the, this uh, animosity back and forth mm-hmm. that we can't handle the migrants. Don't send them here. Right. Because that's what Adams is planning on doing. Well, okay, then we're going to send you over here. Then we're going to send you over here. Then we're going to send you over here. And they're like, no, we can't handle it. We don't have the resources to do it but the federal government it's the same thing as energy they don't care they don't care what they do to the states uh, all right solar wind that's what it's going to be let's get rid of natural gas the states like the state of texas coming out and saying well we can't run a grid this way we saw what happened with frizola mm-hmm. we cannot get capital investment into natural gas plants because the federal government is telling them they're going to go away. We're going to close you down. And, and so we need, as the state of Texas, a couple of weeks ago, the proposal is that we, that the state of Texas builds public private partnership, build like 10 natural gas, you know, huge generation plants around the, around the state that will only run 10% of the time that needs to be subsidized. Because they only run 10% of the time. So your taxpayer dollars, state taxpayer dollars, will subsidize it. And your electricity prices will go up. So we're subsidizing all across the board all of our energy. And so the state of Texas, okay, this is a terrible thing. But it's the only thing we can do. Then the Biden administration comes out last week with their executive proposals that we get rid of all natural gas plants. Right. Yeah. No, this is the thing that everybody
0: is focused on this entire, oh, we can run everything on wind and solar garbage, and nobody's looking at the actual situation that we're in, the reality. Because Texas, and right on the heels of Texas basically announcing that they're going to have their backup system is going to be natural gas and it will require, because it won't be full-time, It will require subsidies on top of the subsidies for the wind and solar.
2: Right, because there's nothing the states can do about the federal government subsidies. And what does Biden come in
0: and, and do? Oh, no, 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 no. Nobody will have natural gas plants. Right. If we have our way, no one will have natural gas plants. Natural gas will be banned. We told you this years ago that they have to outlaw the use of something. You know, the whole 2035 mandate on EVs, they're going, you know, this is where you get to it and everyone's saying, well, no, this is a good thing for the planet without thinking about it. Because, ah, come on, 2035, that's like weeks away. We're not even thinking of it in reality when it's just around the corner and inevitably what happens on the heels of things like that. Well, you're going to be taxed hard if you get a gas-powered vehicle, if you buy a used vehicle. We're going to have to drive it away because the market will shift. All right, fine, I'll buy a used vehicle or I'll buy it from out of state. Okay, buy it from out of state. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg to drive it legally in our state. They have to outlaw the behavior. We've been saying this for a very, very long time. And we're here. They're saying it out loud, proudly. Yep, yep. I was watching uh, the uh, uh, a, a short documentary on on Toyota because they're heading toward hydrogen, and they've got them right now. The testing, I think, is isolated to Japan, and they're not putting the their investment in EVs. They're putting it in hydrogen. Well. Fine. They'll just outlaw hydrogen for whatever reason. And and and
2: Well, you still have to produce a hydrogen, which the is EVs, they, they don't have that solved.
0: Uh they say they do. Now, I don't know if they do. They're saying they do. On board. That it's being produced on board. And it's being produced because remember
3: for how back, much?
0: Uh I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what the cost of the vehicle <laughs> is. Uh but this is the problem. It doesn't matter. EVs will be, there will be a tax on EVs. And why is that? Oh, we forgot about the emissions related to the tires. We forgot about the emissions related to the mining of the materials.
2: Yeah, because of the weight of the cars. Yes. There's more rubber pollution now in right. the air. Right. We're going,
0: it's not. Over which in is 2035. If we did right, a conversion which is, which tomorrow...
2: Is, which is particulate matter, just right, so
0: people know that. If we did a conversion tomorrow, so all EVs, they would tax the daylights out of it, and you would start seeing the, the conversation to ban them eventually. This isn't over. It'll be over when you don't own a vehicle. Over? It'll be over when... You have to get on a whatever it's going to be and shuttle with all of the other sheep to wherever you're going. I like saying sheep. Ah. I should say goats. Everybody else says sheep. Ah. I think goats. <laughs> I'm going to go with goats. I like goats. I'm, I'm still on over? Yeah.
2: Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor?
0: Yeah. No, it's never over. <laughs> it's with, with the liberal left, it is never over over it'll be over when all of your freedoms are gone
2: i'm not going to explain and see if i get an email
0: okay yeah okay. yeah, leave, gonna, it. Gonna, yeah. Just leave it yeah leave it we
2: haven't done that before in, in a while, long time. i know yeah
4: 866
2: <laughs> <866-90, laughs> 90 red eye
4: logging miles during the hot summer months can put a serious strain on you and your truck's health did you know pollutants and allergens in the air outside can enter your cab through the hvac system without you even cracking a window That's why it's important to check those cabin air filters. Inhaling dirty and polluted air can cause distress if you suffer from allergies or a respiratory illness. Not to mention, the distraction dirty cabin air filters can cause by blocking proper airflow to your AC system when you need it most. Breathe easy when the air in your cab is fresh. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more
1: mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866 90 Eye on Red Eye Radio.
0: great deals hey i have a great find in your bargain hunting journey book online at motel6.com use the code cpredeye to get 15 percent off your stay at motel 6 or studio 6 with almost 1500 locations across the country there's almost always a motel 6 or or Studio 6 nearby, and truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code Eye. that's the letters cp Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6.
2: Hey, it's Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, coming up, uh, Gavin Newsom gets blasted for backtracking on uh, reparations. Also, another uh, California politician comes out and says, well, no, 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 you were never going to get $1.2 million. I just absolutely love that, what's going on uh, right now. Uh, we'll talk about the fact that, uh, well, the Fed say the federal student loan repayments to restart I guess we will see on, uh, on uh, that. Rick Perry teases a possible presidential bid. Uh, the the uh, uh, success of DeSantis being out and about there mm-hmm. in Iowa, getting a ton of endorsements. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of articles written about the fact that one thing DeSantis is doing is he is local and state fundraising like crazy for Republicans which is making him with a primary when the primary is coming mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm going to be the one that gives back to the Republican Party because Trump doesn't do this. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of articles written about that saying he's trying to build support in the Republican Party by fundraising, by showing up and fundraising at state and local events. Mm-hmm. And just like Trump has big crowds, these crowds and the donations that are coming in, uh, in some cases, are record amounts. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be interesting when he uh and we'll talk about that too. What would think about this put on your political hat because I really haven't done much of this because it was, you know, it was speculation for such a long time and now it looks like he's in, but what should DeSantis do? If you're a political consultant, what would you tell him to do in order to win? If I had
0: his uh you know, everything the the difference is the any of the inside numbers that he has any of the the inside polls that he has telling him where the money's going to go where the money's going right now and is there an indication there one of the things a few months ago trump went to new hampshire and i think south carolina all in one weekend to talk to donors and there was never a response
1: Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America studios,
2: and he's Eric curly and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning, uh, welcome to another week. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say it actually. Uh, you know, I, I think about this uh, the, this weekend. Um, it was good. I mean, it was a, a mellow weekend. I actually watched a lot of golf because it was local. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there, but it was uh, the Byron Nelson. So yeah. I don't know why, but I had golf on a lot. And we had rain. That's, you know, with the other thing, too. We had on and off rain. And I had rain on and off most of Saturday and uh, and Sunday. You just weren't sure. Mm-hmm. You know, they were saying, I mean, uh, they were – they were, actually, I got less than I thought, you know, because didn't they say like two inches we could have had on Sunday? They,
0: had, they thought that, uh, yeah, that, that Sunday was going to be, I think – the total over the weekend, but Sunday was going to be most of it over two inches of rain, uh, earlier last week, I think toward the Thursday and Friday, the forecast was still heavy rain. I didn't get that much. We got some rain. Yeah.
2: We got some South where I live, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I was able to do a bunch of lawn work and everything on, on Friday, but, uh, through and Saturday, it came a little bit later, but it, then it rained, you know, in the afternoon a lot. And then throughout yesterday, it, it also did, but, uh, um, uh, so I was able to disconnect just a little bit because mm-hmm. it's been like eh, never ending. Uh, and then I see the Biden, you know, commencement speech, and I heard about the Oprah commencement speech, and I'm telling you right now, they're just throwing out as pure fear, fear and rage yeah, is right. what they're you know trying to uh, to do. And we had talked about Biden at Howard University, and we played the audio cut to start the show where he said uh you know the the biggest domestic terrorist threat is white supremacy well that's a lie that's a pathological lie you know another one coming from the uh, the the president you and i were amazed how lukewarm the response was
0: uh, yeah the applause uh, wasn't what you would think
2: to that yeah i mean it's just you know we've talked about uh, about about biden and the race baiter that he is and we gave the perfect example and everybody every democrat knows it they know that Biden is trying, they know Biden tells lies about race in order to, to split people from one another, hopefully based, hopefully, I'm not saying hopefully, and <laughs> that's <laughs> him, hopefully, so they'll separate and hate each other because of their skin color. Mm-hmm. That's what he's attempting to do. And one of the perfect examples was Georgia, the Georgia election yeah. law, Yeah, where he said it was, you know, Jim Crow 2.0, Jim Crow on steroids. And there's nothing about that. The ACLU is using that in their fundraising ad now. Democrats are using it consistently now. We need to stop, you know, the uh, the the uh, election rules that are coming up from uh, Republicans that deny blacks their right to vote. It's mm-hmm. a load of horse manure.
0: Well, and, you know, they've gone from, okay, let's not just say racist. We've worn that out. We need to go to white supremacy, and that needs to be... Right. The, the talking points, and they've used it before, but now those are the talking points for
2: 24. And it and it's not just that it's a problem, it's the biggest terrorist the, threat that exactly. we have. Right, exactly. Yes. So, uh, you know, that that's the thing. And that shows the panic right now because Democrats for the last 40 years have always used race and race baiting as a crutch. Mm-hmm. It's not as successful as it used to be. But they still use it. Now, we have talked about identity politics uh, with the Democrats. Every Democrat listening right now knows it's the Democratic Party that practices identity politics. And that is the fact that you judge people by the group that they're in or their skin color or their gender or their sexuality And you put them in a group, and they must think this way. And if they don't think this way, then they've betrayed the movement. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't get more racist than that. It is blunt with the Democratic Party. Uh, We have talked about uh, that, you know, Tim Ryan, for example, when he ran against Nancy Pelosi for Speaker a few years back, he said that's the biggest problem we have. We have to start treating people as individuals, not as groups. The Democratic Party right now, from what I can see by observing what they're doing right now, they wish to destroy some of the major uh, 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 homes and cities that are majority minority mm-hmm. that are black. Mm-hmm. They wish to destroy them in every single way, and then at the same time, call the call uh, blacks who live there victims. Of the opposition party. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to watch. It really is amazing to watch. As they continue to to defund the police. As crime is out of control. As homelessness is out of control. As they legalize drugs. And as the one drug counselor. For example in Portland Oregon said. I really believe some of these people. On the city council. Want people to die. Mm -hmm. They actually want people to die. Of fentanyl poisoning on the street. They said you cannot promote what they're doing and vote the way that they do and not understand what the consequences are, and they don't care what the consequences are. So as we see our cities crumbling, then you have the Democratic Party and the liberal black leadership keep promoting the same uh, anti anti-human policies mm-hmm. in the inner cities mm-hmm. and those uh, for the uh, for the most part and in many of the areas those human beings happen to have skin color that's darker yeah and they don't care. Will destroy your civilization. Will destroy your society. Will destroy your neighborhood. Will destroy your sense of security. And then we'll sit there and say we're your saviors, even though we've caused the problem. Yeah, and create, and the other side is the
0: racist. Create crisis and chaos in those communities, and then falsely claim that there's a crisis or chaos somewhere else that white supremacy is the greatest terrorist threat we have
2: and i would sit there and say i mean there's an argument argument to be made that the president with his associations in the past with his racist language that he has used in the past that this is a new form of racism we destroy we destroy their societies we destroy their neighborhoods. We blame it on the people that aren't responsible for it. And then we say, we're here to help you. Mm-hmm. Yet, as we know, by, when you go back and look at Biden's past and his association with known racists, yeah. and then you see the things that he says and does today, Uh, It's obvious this is the new racism of today. Mm -hmm. We'll pretend we'll be your savior. You're a victim. Uh, I'm your savior. Think about that. You can put that into other terms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm your savior. You're the victim. I destroyed your life, but I can help bring you back and give you a better life. As I actually continue
0: to destroy your
2: life. As I continue to destroy your life. That, I feel, is a new form of racism that exists today in the Democratic Party. And the identity politics is what makes it so upfront and so blunt. Well, it was years ago. Who was it that,
0: which organization, news organization, that said that San Francisco is becoming the whitest city because the cost of living in San Francisco is prohibitive to minorities. And one day it will just be... Nothing but a white city. And now they're talking reparations?
2: Well, as we said, the whole reparations movement in California led by Democrats, we're so glad that Democrats have felt the guilt of their identity politics, of their stereotyping, of their bigotry and their racism, and they feel a little guilty about it. Nobody talks about that part of it. Why do the Democrats want to do it? Because they feel guilty. Because they're the racists. They live by identity politics. Who lives that way? Who judges people? And remember, identity the modern identity politics movement started in the 90s going after conservative black talk show hosts. Mm-hmm. Understand blacks were and are the, the biggest targets of identity politics. And now they are just in a different way. Interesting because I saw this. Uh, just I happen to see this on Twitter. I don't. I don't know why it showed up on my Twitter feed, but it was Laverne Spicer uh, who's running uh, for the uh, Florida twenty uh, second district, and she says, "I'm not a black Republican because it's popular. Trust me, it's not. I'm a black Republican because the Republican Party has policies that lead to black generational wealth. I need you to. I need you to help me get to Congress." in this swing seat seat uh, known as Florida 22. Mm-hmm. I saved that when I bookmarked that cuz I said, well, that's it right there. And we've talked about it before. You want the success. I don't care who you are, but you want the success as an individual, it is about gaining wealth. Yes. Because when you gain wealth, then you're not under control of anybody. And the Democratic Party wants everybody under their control including minorities. Right. And don't you ever not think that way because it's obvious. And if you haven't figured it out by now, you need to observe better what's going on in our society.
0: Interesting that I've seen with a lot of like investment groups, uh, you know, individuals that that form a group and talk about investments. Um, certain YouTubers and others that are that are uh, either vlogging or or posting online, and even in the. Uh, financial media. You're seeing a lot about a lot of talk about generational wealth. Well, that's something that the left hates. They don't want generational wealth. They want to tax that. You you earn it. They want to tax it as you earn it, and they want to take half of what you leave for your family. They don't want generational wealth. That's a very conservative thing to think of. And the idea is that you're building something in order to create that kind of stability for your family for generations. That's the idea. And that's a very conservative approach. If you think about it, and we've talked about, as you mentioned, we've talked about expanding wealth for others. It doesn't mean everybody's going to be Elon Musk. It means you're going to be wealthier than you were. It means you're going to be more secure in your situation. It means that if we have another fallout, and they decide to shut everything down again, that you're going to have maybe six months, maybe a year's worth of your income in savings.
2: And one thing that isn't brought up about the reparations and the amount that they were talking about and the message sent there, the message they were sending there is you're black. Mm -hmm. You can't make it, and you never will be able to make it. And so we need to take care of you for your entire life because you don't have the ability to make it. Right. that's the message sent with the amounts that they're talking about mm-hmm. you want to talk about a racist mindset the racist mindset is alive and well, institutionalized racism, systemic racism is alive in this country it's a core it's the core of the modern democratic party today Yep. Eight six
1: six ninety red we'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara
2: On radio. he's Eric Crowley and I'm Gary McNamara. Here's a story. California Democrat State Senator Stephen Bradford is warning African-Americans not to get their hopes up for massive reparations payments from the state. Bradford's message uh, came after the California Reparations Task Force recommended over the weekend that the state pay $1.2 million in reparations to each black resident. That was actually last weekend they did that. The state lawmaker uh, who served on the task force claimed but it's possible that black residents could receive some kind of cash payments if the money's there, but argued that receiving million-dollar checks in repayment uh, for historical discrimination is not happening. Hmm. Representative Barbara Lee, who attended the meeting, stated afterwards, reparations are not only morally justifiable, but they have the potential to address longstanding racial disparities. But Bradford told potential recipients not to expect huge payments when the California government... Uh, has not figured out where the money would come from. The state lawmaker from Los Angeles did say, anything is possible if the money's there. Right. That's a huge asterisk. The qualifier on that. If we had a gazillion dollars. If we win the lottery. Yeah. Uh, but added, he will stay realistic. He will stay realistic. You're part of the panel that voted $1.2 million for reparations. Well, I'll stay realistic. You just
0: said... If the money's there, you can't include that because you know
2: it won't ever be there. He told residents to have the same outlook, saying, I don't want to set folks' expectations and hopes up that they're going to be getting, you know, seven-figure checks. That's exactly what you did. That's exactly (laughs) what you did. Bradford's comments did rub some people the wrong way. Los Angeles resident and reparations activist Marcus Champion remarked, that is not the way you come to the table to pay in a historic debt. That is not the way that you come to the table in any type of negotiation. Start as high as possible as, as you possibly can and then work from there. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so some of the activists not happy at all about the backtracking. Right. Top of
4: the hour news is brought to you by House Products.
1: From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio.
2: All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our app today. Listen when and where you want. Pretty in this headline here. Gavin Newsom's reparations experiment backfires. (laughs) What did he think was going to happen? You know, you and I throughout this entire thing were just dying laughing because Mm -hmm. it's the continuation of the delusion from the Democrats that they keep selling. Yeah. Right. In in order to, they hope, get reelected. And we went, well, because when San Francisco came up with five million, by the way, is that now, is it still five million for San Francisco? I checked last week it I hadn't changed as of this moment, but yeah, I have, I haven't heard of any change. So but, yeah. But when we saw the two hundred and thirty thousand and we compared it to the five million, we went, on oh, no, and no, on, the state activists are gonna want more, and then they went up to they, you know, three hundred and sixty uh well I mean there were numbers thrown out like one point two million, then seven point six million, and then the uh the 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 mother of them all reparations, mm-hmm. the two hundred million per recipient which yeah. would have been three hundred and sixty trillion dollars. Yeah. And we just went, I mean, they've just they've lost it. They've just completely lost it. And when Gavin Newsom has to be looking at this going, and this was the board I appointed. Remember, they were his appointees. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we're like, he's being awfully quiet on this. And then he comes out and says, Well, it's more than just about money. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. People need to stop (laughs)
0: focusing on money. How dare you just focus on the money? Oh, what he's saying is, yeah, you shouldn't focus on the money because really there isn't any. And that's what it comes down to is that. I could see them moving forward on something like, okay, we're going to we're going to have certain tax benefits for recipients. Uh, Maybe exemptions. I I don't know. But the problem is, if they move on anything at all, they're doomed. Politically. Because the activists are already up to 200 million. They're screaming 200 million. And then if you do nothing, you're doomed. So the question is, do you do nothing and take the heat now? And just try and close it out? Well, I don't think you can, because you open the conversation, you've got to keep the conversation going. And if you don't keep the conversation going, then everybody that was part of it, or anyone who's heard about it, is going to make sure that that conversation is on the table. Because you must have been serious, because you opened
2: your mouth about it. Just love it here. Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom is trying to dig himself out of a political predicament when it comes to slavery reparations proposed by his own task force. Fox News Digital was the first to report last Tuesday evening that Newsom, after months of complete silence on the issue, declined to endorse the cash payments, which could reach as high as $1.2 million for a single recipient recommended by his reparations task force arguing that dealing with the legacy of slavery is about much more than just cash payments. <laughs> <laughs> said said uh, Assembly Republican leader James Gallagher, it will take absurd mental gymnastics to require California taxpayers, including new immigrants, low-income workers, and even some African-Americans to pay for a wrong committed by other states more than 150 years ago. But that's the position Newsom put himself in. No matter what he does, he's going to anger part of his base. Yep, exactly what I just said. There's no way to go. There's nowhere to go for him. He's painted himself into a corner. This is just one more example of the governor's tendency to make Big promises he can't or won't keep, and people are going to learn quickly that Newsom is all talk but no action. I don't believe the Republican leader, though, is calling for action on reparations. I want to make that clear. Yeah, no, no, no,
0: no, no, no. I think he's basically saying what we're saying. You started this. There's no way you can't go on without finishing it. But the only way to finish this is to have the legislative body vote on it. you got to go through the motions. And if you stop talking about it altogether and say, look, it's not going to happen, if you basically throw that out there, oh, man. Now, here's the thing. We have to keep in mind it's California. Gavin Newsom will certainly get a uh, political backlash if he says, We need to just move on. If he decides to ignore it from now on, there's going to be some backlash. But it's California. Most people will forgive him for it.
2: Uh, Following the task force submission of its final report this summer, I look forward to a continued partnership with the legislature to advance systemic changes that ensure an inclusive and equitable future for all the citizens of California, in a reiteration of the statement that was billed as a clarification by Newsom office, yeah, 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 and some media outnet- Listen, outlets. Listen, we're going to do
0: we're going to do some things, but it's not going to include any money. And if it's yeah. any money at all, it will be very little money compared to what the conversation is risen to lately.
2: Newsom stopped short of endorsing cash payments, saying he was waiting for the task force final report. Oh, yeah, the final report.
0: Yeah. okay. You'll be waiting for a while. Yeah, it it was bound to happen this way. And I, I think they're just internally, they're looking at, okay, politically, what can we survive? And, you know, the back and forth is going to be there. But politically, even if he said tomorrow, hey, no more talk about re- reparations. It's still California and he's still Gavin Newsom. And that's what they're weighing right now. Exactly how much damage is there? Look, if Biden if Biden had come out and said, I've decided not to run again. And he was in, then what he would do is say, well, I'm going to take this fight to Washington.
2: Exactly, yeah.
0: And, but he's not going to do that, and or not yet. I suspect he will one day.
2: <laughs> I'm going to take this to Washington because uh, this reparations would bankrupt the the state, and so instead... I wish to go to Washington, become president of the United States and then offer hundreds of millions in reparations to be paid for by our great, 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 great great grandchildren 500 years from now when the when the country starts paying off some of the principal of the debt. Yes.
0: Right. As they build the continue to build the colony on mars (laughs) yeah no that's we'll we'll just uh kick the can down the road because that's that's where you can get away with it politically on the left i want no listen i'm asking congress to do something and do something now blah 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 congress is like uh okay yeah but we can't get the votes You'll throw in a couple of votes. You know, a couple of hardcore Democrats will go in. They'll vote, yes, yes. But they won't get the votes. And then President Newsom, well, we're trying. We're still trying. Yeah. Don't put any hope in it. It's not going to happen. It isn't going to happen. By the way, have we seen a poll I, of, of people who believe it's going to happen in California? Do you believe
2: not, reparations no. is going to happen? I've, I'll check for a California poll, but yeah. I have not seen
0: one. Yeah, I don't remember yeah.
2: seeing one. They, they were using one in the story I was reading that showed that uh, uh, like 63% of Democrats and uh, and eighty-six percent of blacks favor reparations, right? But you right. know it was, and that was a couple of years ago. But you know it mm. was left out mm. the amount.
0: Right? Yeah, that it wasn't a specific right. amount. Right. right? Yeah,
2: and then yeah. then ask Democrats if they in California, for example, if they would like to. Uh, add on to their tax bill hundred thousand dollars or whatever mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: What
2: was it six hundred and twenty thousand mm. per household in San Francisco? Mm. By the way, I did figure it out. If you if Newsom did run for president, then advocated one point two million for uh, blacks in the United States. Forty one million times one point forty. What well, yeah? Forty one million blacks in the, uh, in this country times one point two million uh forty nine point two trillion so cheaper than the the green new deal it would be cheaper than the green new deal but not as expensive as the two hundred million dollar reparations in california alone <laughs> which ran to three hundred and sixty trillion huh <laughs> wow
0: oh they, I swear but they. Where they, did they, they, they think the conversation they, was going to go? But
2: they live in this delusion. Everything's a delusion. Everything can't be done. I mean, it's across the board, left and right. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't stop. And that's why we even throw in the whole energy thing. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing. We can win. We can run the country on solar and wind. No, you can't. No, no, you cannot. It's impossible. No, doesn't matter. Cannot. We need to cut out everything else. And to hell with you if you don't have electricity is what they're basically telling the average person. To heck with energy security, Mm -hmm. to heck uh, with your economic security, and to heck with our national security. Mm -hmm. We wish to destroy the nation. There's no other way you can look at it when you look at what they're doing with energy. I know I just jumped to energy there from reparations, but it's the same thing. We're going to live in this delusional, fairy tale world that these things can happen. And they can't. Just see where Hertz wants to go 25% electric vehicles. Yeah. By, by man, 20, I got a lot of questions 24.
0: there. Yeah. Yeah, I got a ton of questions there. Uh, what's that going to be like? Because here would be the question: if your company, any of the rental car companies, how many people ask for EVs? How many people that go to book a car ask for EVs? Less than 1%. Yeah, I'd love to know that percentage. Because if you're talking about your fleet, then becoming 25% becoming EVs. Now the question is, all right, are you expecting that there will be a growth in demand, or are you saying that, well, some people that show up... because? Sometimes you show up and they just give you the vehicle, uh, even a larger vehicle than you wanted, because that's all that's left. And if you've got 25% of your fleet is EVs, then that's going to happen quite often. And the question would be, all right, somebody steps up. They don't want an EV. EV. They've never used an EV and have no idea how the whole thing works. That sounds like a logistical nightmare unless you're reserving all of that for what you anticipate to be the demand, which would be 25% or greater. I'd like to see those numbers.
2: I, I rent vehicles all the time. And, and most of the time i rent them for one or two days and all you want because you're busy you're out of town you're driving last thing you want last thing you want is to wait 40 minutes to fill up yeah sorry it's the last thing you want
0: they're they're at 10% now
2: is that of their fleet or the rentals
0: uh they're saying they're saying vehicle fleet
2: because I have no idea where I would go because I know uh, I saw that Avis is part of the in, – they're interested in this. They haven't announced anything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I rent Avis Budget a lot because they're the same company. Yeah. I don't know where I would even find an electric when I'm in western New York. I have no idea where it would be. I've never seen one anywhere near where my my dad lives and that's where I'm visiting or near the airport.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Not. So you're yeah. talking in next year. I just it, they all have to be in L.A. or
0: <laughs> well, that, no, that, that <laughs> or San Francisco. That's, that's a good point. In in that it depends on your destination point. If you're going to uh, San Francisco or L.A., then maybe the demand is already there. I didn't. See See that, but that may it may be because in in the story that I'm reading, but that may be because you know they just didn't report it. If you're a reporter, I would ask that question. All right, is that demand in certain cities? And I think that ha- would have to be the case.
2: Eight six six ninety red
0: eye
4: Least owner operators should be aware of four common revenue myths, lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit. Myth 1. Concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves. This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. Myth 2. More revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements and fees. Myth 3. All you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth four. You can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance.
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
5: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about...
2: Hey, it's on radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to Cameron in Colorado, who said exactly Eric did some research right. We're just five seconds into the debate. And he's, he told me what Cameron's going to tell us about uh, Hertz and uh, their electric uh, vehicles right now. Go ahead. Hi, Cameron.
3: Hi, Gary. Yeah, I was just saying I'm sitting right here in Denver, Colorado, in tr- inside a charging station. This is my second charge of the... Uh, shift that i've been on working uber and uh, you know it's just not practical you know you're you're like you're looking at about an hour to charge the 200 miles mm. and so i'm sitting here for two hours and it's not it's not free you're yeah. you're having to pay about
2: twenty dollars per charge now but yeah. but hertz so that's forty dollars that's- but your point was hertz supplies many uber drivers with an electric vehicle that's correct. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's what Eric told It's yeah, well they
0: they have a certain rate for Uber right. drivers um and so it, it's I don't know, it's right. 300, roughly 350 a week or whatever it is. And we're out of time camera but yeah. you point so, out 40, something 420 yeah, Yeah, you 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 point out you point out that the time that it takes to recharge you're just sitting there. You're not making money.
1: studios deep within the United States of America. Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary
2: McNamara. He's Eric Harley, 86690 Red Eye. Let's get to a a couple of comments on reparations that uh, we were talking about earlier. We go to Mike in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mike, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Mike.
3: Thanks, gentlemen. And uh, for such difficult subjects, you guys intersperse just enough wit and levity to make it possible for us to learn from topics that would normally depress and disgust people. Mm. So you guys present things in a way that is so much more palatable to your listeners than most other shows. And I got to give you kudos for that and appreciation.
2: Well, thank you. My point is, thanks
3: (laughs) governor Newsom backed off on speaking about reparations and said, this may be about more than money. But if you notice right after he made that statement, a day or two later, he introduced a $300 billion budget with a surprise over $30 billion deficit. And perhaps he knew that deficit announcement was coming. And like that California congressman said, if we had the money, we'd do it. They may have known that deficit announcement was coming, but they weren't allowed to yet reveal it until the budget proposal became pro- uh, public knowledge. Yeah. Interesting.
0: And I wonder, you know, Mike, that's too. That's why
3: he went silent.
0: Yeah. No, I think Pardon? so. I think, I think that's a good theory. Um, and, and I also wonder too if this would be their next step. What they, what they do is they say, listen, we've got this huge, huge deficit now. And what it means is we're not raising enough money in taxes. So if we really want to do reparations, we need to get our house in order. We need to raise taxes even further. We need to blah, 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 blah. And then they just kick the can on reparations down the road, but they tie it to the reason, part of the reason to raise taxes. I I could see them doing that. That would be right out of their playbook.
2: You know, we did know, though, I mean, we knew, I, Newsom knew when he put the panel together this past January, I believe it was, he knew at that point that it was at least going to be a $22.5 billion Deficit, and then yeah, it, then it went yeah. up like seven million to thirty, and then they've added on another two billion. So they yeah, just added yeah. on a couple of billion more yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to it. But they knew it, and it wouldn't matter if they had a twenty-eight billion dollar surplus. When you are talking about uh, anywhere between six hundred and thirty and one trillion dollars for reparations, mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. what, a, and, and I am going to guess it probably would have been closer to a trillion. You just those numbers are so astronomical that you just can't do it. And I don't know. You make a great point. I mean, it it does look when you have a deficit like this after the surplus they had a year ago and you realize that companies are moving, people are moving, yeah. you're losing your uh, your tax base. Um, it lo- does look pretty stupid to be basically the person who picked every picked the majority. of of uh, those on the reparations panel that are talking about something that is financially impossible to do. Thanks, what, Mike. What would, the, what would the bond rating of California go to no. if they took out a trillion dollars? And by the way, thank you. That's probably the nicest compliment that anybody could give us.
0: Well, because it, it really is our goal to have a conversation of where we just kind of break mm-hmm. things down and have a real conversation Uh, with our, with our audience and, and about how things work or where they're going, what the mindset is. And look, we, we do get passionate quite a bit. There are things that, that do make me angry, but I think, uh, the approach should always be to have that conversation, um, and do it in a way where, look, it's fun at times. it's (laughs) It's fun. Uh, but, and, and our, Our founding fathers did not want this to be and did not intend it ever to be complicated. They think other people, mainly on the left, believe you're too stupid to have these conversations, but we don't think that.
2: No, I think most people are probably too busy or focused on something else and mm-hmm. so if you can make something if, if you can turn into a radio show that's a lot of fun to listen to and you say yeah well, oh, it's a lot of fun and i learn a lot too mm-hmm. that's exactly what our goal that's what our yeah, goal it is. is it is that's actually what our and so when somebody calls up and repeats almost word for word what our goal is you say oh, okay that's that, quite the endorsement I mean, that that's quite it's like okay it's then it's it's and we know it's working because we've done it for a long time mm-hmm. but when you hear it you know yeah. from your listeners that that is it means a lot it means it means the world to us i just yeah. want to let you know i don't want to just let that compliment you know pass by without us and you know without you understanding how much it does mean to us but yeah. Uh, yeah. If they would have had a thirty billion dollar surplus this year, it still would have made no difference. But could you imagine the bond rating California would get? A trillion dollars in bonds, yeah. Six hundred. Right? Uh, I'll go to the low. I'll even go to the low end. Six hundred and twenty. Uh, 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 billion dollars mm-hmm. because they, they'd have to take a bond out for. It. Right. 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 And as you and I said, it go well. Yeah, you're gonna get. You're gonna get anywhere between three hundred and sixty and one point two million. But it will be in dollar increments, a dollar every month. (laughs) And the bond issue will take out for the next thousand years. Right.
0: And that's the only thing they can do really where they're at right now, I think, is kick the can down the road. Try and promise that, listen we want a better California for everybody and blah, blah, blah. And yes, reparations mean justice and blah, 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 blah. But in order to get there, we're going to have to, and I can see them introducing the thing with higher taxes again. But what will that affect me? If they start talking that way, as people and companies are leaving their state, you're just going to increase the number of people and companies that will be leaving the state. They're going to be leaving sooner. This is, This is not hard. It's a very simple math when you do the equation and you see the exodus happening in these blue areas. People and companies are running to where they have more freedom. They can keep more of their money. They can expand, and they're not being punished over and over again.
2: I would have loved to have been in a Newsom staff meeting last week. Yeah. The hell are we going to do about this, right? <laughs> and you have to, you know, Governor. Well, how did it get out of control? How did it ever
0: get <laughs> so? You know, there's the thing is Wait. that if he runs for governor again, well, that's going to be on the debate stage. Yeah. You're the one that started the conversation, then you shut it down. Why? You don't really believe in fighting for it. That's where the left that's what somebody yeah, exactly. on the left is going to say. Yep. You don't really believe in it because you're not willing to fight for it.
2: You should fight to bankrupt the state of California. We, like we said, <laughs> it's it is you know it it, it it is the virtue
0: signaling through the dollar amounts. Well, right. we care more because we're promoting 200 million. Not one point two million, not a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, we care more because we put a higher dollar amount. How
2: dare you just offer three hundred and sixty thousand? Exactly, you uncaring racist. Well, then (laughs) I could see the
0: next liberal (laughs) say, "Well, these activists over here—they don't care about you. They only want two hundred million. We want two hundred billion. Why shouldn't everybody get what Elon
2: Musk, every recipient get?" what Elon Musk has. Now we did say there might be a problem because Eric was the first to promote a billion but then we realized that if people got a billion then Bernie Sanders would want to tax those people. <laughs> I still because that. he doesn't want any billionaires. I still, so
0: yeah, I still want that I still want that uh I would love for some activists to to make some noise on, you know, 1.5 billion right per recipient. Because then you could, in an interview setting with Bernie, well, you've talked about how, you know, you don't believe anyone needs more than a billion. Yes, yes. Well, okay, then <laughs> <laughs> how many? All right, so if it is, it's being promoted now that the recipients of reparations in California each receive $1.5 billion. yes, yes. Would you take... 500 million of that away (laughs) well we would have some exemptions (laughs) yeah okay well (laughs) i mean this is this is the conundrum this is the circular firing squad that they that they have built over and over and over again on i don't know how
2: many issues let's go to keith in new mexico on reparations keith welcome you're on rod eye radio hi keith
1: I, I, how are you guys doing? Thank you very much.
2: You're welcome. I was, uh, wondering, I was wondering, had anybody thought, if I am if I would get $1.2 million on my bank account tomorrow, I'm probably going to quit my job. You know, Has anybody thought about the teachers and the cops and the truck drivers and the,
3: you know, that would just not show up for work the next day? What that would do to the economy, you know, I mean, we, we remember what happened and still is happening after the COVID when people wouldn't show up for work or couldn't or didn't or whatever, you know the service industry was devastated. I mean, what would they do? What would California do if all of a sudden everybody got one? You know, every person of color got one point two billion dollars. You know, I mean, well, I, I blame I, them. You know,
2: most people, most right. people feel like they're overworked and underpaid. You know, well, I would think that California, the Democrats, would view that as a success because. Not only are you paying a repar- <laughs> reparations, but you're destroying the economy and capitalism at the same time. So, well, yeah, I don't that's think they exactly care about the That's co-
3: exactly what I was thinking.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they care about the consequences. You can't no, no, when no. you propose things like this. They, the well, consequences. Well, and, and
0: if they did this, Keith, many of those people would, the recipients, would leave California because <laughs> of the high taxes. Because it would, because yeah, think that, about this.
3: Another thing I was
0: thinking. Now, yeah. now, now, we, we, we uh we joked and said well no maybe they'll uh, create a situation that you can't leave california if you leave california you're no longer eligible but then that would be deemed racist right you're trying to restrict exactly. the movement of individuals and their freedom if they if they're if if they want to move somewhere and the state says
2: we we're going to take away your benefits if you move how dare you Right now, and just so you know, Keith, uh, Eric and I did invite, uh, if, you know, if they, uh, this reparations did come about and they Thanks became Keith. instant millionaires, that uh, we invited uh, all of them to uh, to Texas to spend it. Yeah. yeah and yeah, and Florida to go on vacation. It will go much further.
0: Yeah. It will, it will, you will have so much don't. But you
2: don't want so to go to Disney because it's really expensive. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, go wait, there. Well, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I need to shut up. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> go to Disney. Sorry. Uh, my <clears throat> I still have a partial pension coming from Disney. Yeah. When Disney owned. <laughs> no, I. Uh, I, I when, when we worked for, Di- we actually worked for Disney, both of us. Did, I, so. uh, I converted mine
0: and put it in an investment. So don't go to Disney. <laughs>
2: no, go to Disney. I'm still getting the payments. <laughs> nah, don't go to Disney. <laughs> I was laughing over the week. I was telling that to somebody. I said, well, much my opinion. It depends whether I benefit monetarily or not. <laughs> I think we've been very vocal <laughs> about Disney, one way or the other. Well, I mean, look, we're the ones that we're the ones that criticized we, we were the ones that uh, and and we showed no hesitancy whatsoever to criticize the Republicans in their when they cut taxes and increased ours. And increased ours. <laughs> That we thought that part of the plan was a bad plan.
0: You're going to do your taxes on a postcard. I still can't do my taxes on a postcard. Thanks a lot, Ted Cruz. (laughs) taxes on a postcard. By the way, how many people still know what a
2: postcard even is? (laughs) Wait, weren't the Democrats going to make. The post office, the bank, or something like the national bank. Remember that. Remember that was out. I think I think that plan's probably still in the works. You can you can uh, bank, uh, vote, and <laughs> well, you do your taxes well, on a, a postcard. Well, wait a minute. If the post
0: office is getting close to insolvency, the last thing you want to do is make them a bank.
2: <laughs> That's a horrible idea. Eight <laughs> six six ninety. Red eye.
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's
2: Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, you saw the legal defense fund for Daniel uh, Penny, now 1300000 million. Mm. I'm sure it's more than that. That was over the weekend they had raised uh, that being charged in, uh, with uh, manslaughter uh, for, in the killing of, uh, of Jordan Neely. Interesting here because I think there's, you and I normally don't comment until we get an idea of. You know, certain information out there. I will say this the problem, number one, with this is nobody trusts Bragg. Right. Nobody trusts Bragg to do the right, right thing. We right. know that Bragg is not about being uh, a prosecutor who actually prosecutes crimes. Everything he does is for a political message. So right. we'll get to that and more coming up.
1: is Red Eye Radio. All across
2: USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Hurley. Hope everyone had a great birthing person's day yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my. Uh, did you see that uh, more than half of Americans say motherhood is the most important role for a woman to fill in today's world? And that's up significantly from just a couple of years ago. Yeah. The other
0: half were men. <laughs>
2: <laughs> More than half of Americans say motherhood is the most important role for a woman to fill. Yeah, In today's world, a Rasmussen well, Reports poll found yeah. the survey. I thought it was, you know, serving men, but. <laughs> hey, ladies, he's single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, to serve man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a cookbook. It's a cookbook. <laughs> the survey conducted with uh, over a thousand American adults in early May hmm. uh, found that 56% believe motherhood uh, is the most important role for women, uh, for uh, for women, which is up from 52% in 2018. Yeah, 30, uh, 30% disagree with that statement. 14%. I don't know. I'm not touching it. I'm not, <laughs> not going to answer it because she's standing right here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, it, it was, a uh, we actually celebrated on Saturday and went to, uh, one of my daughter's homes. Um, and, uh, had a great, great time. Had the whole family there. And, uh, my two oldest are both moms and they are such incredible moms. Just looking around, it was a different perspective instead of having mother's day get together at our place. It was at one of my daughter's home and it, it, it really it was it was so great being there but just watching cuz they had just they just purchased this home and and moved in not too long ago and so uh her two uh children were showing me their rooms that were set up last time we were there it was moving day and just spending that time and and with my grandkids and 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 watching my daughters as mothers, and of course my wife, who has done most of the heavy lifting in our well over three decades together, and when you see it just right there in front of you, it's just, I was awestruck. I really was. It was, uh, it was a great day, but I'm so proud of my daughters, so proud of my wife. My mom, my mom, my mom's so funny. She's like, you don't have to send me flowers, and then when they get there, they're so beautiful, and she loves them. My dad, my dad, tells me, and so it was, a, it was a good weekend.
2: Uh, of course, an LGBTQ activist spouted far-left talking points in celebration of Mother's Day on Sunday by Sunday by sharing memes and videos about how fathers can be mothers too. Uh, in one shared, a man who identifies as a woman said America should have a parent's day. No. There's two different days of the year that I question. There's Mother's Day and Father's Day. As a trans person and as a trans woman, uh, which one do I celebrate? I don't feel like a father. Mother's Day is tomorrow. I feel like a mom, but who celebrates me? Well, you can't be a mom.
0: Yeah. You're not going to give birth, right? And who's going to celebrate me? Well,
2: it's the other thing that comes from the left too—that that, that basically mom and dads are interchangeable, right? And that's not true.
0: No, it isn't. No, it, it isn't. isn't true. No, it isn't. Um, and over and over again. The left has shown, well, but we have to create victims. So instead of celebrating all the moms, this person here wants to
2: be a victim. victim.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: Well, everything's about being a victim. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: for the left right now, I mean, nobody's celebrating me. (laughs) Welcome to the club.
2: I don't get celebrated. Yeah. When was the last time nobody celebrates me? What about we talk show hosts? Nobody ever says good things about us.
0: What about single people with no kids? When is their
2: celebration? Oh, I'm going to get Bob on that one. Independent Bob. (laughs) 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 Don't get him started on. Yeah. So I believe you should pay more in school taxes, Bob, since you don't have children.
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) What about all the couples out there that have no children? Who's going to celebrate them? They're celebrating because they can get up and leave and go where they want, and they've got a lot of independence. they oh, don't got those little whippersnappers all over the place. Yeah, uh, I, it, but that's you know that that is so the wrong, wrong mindset. Who's going to celebrate me?
2: Nobody. <laughs> Any more questions? You were looking at me as you said that. <laughs>
0: no. Nobody's gonna celebrate you. Any more questions? But this is but this is the idea of again looking for another reason to be a victim. I don't have a day. So what?
2: <laughs> well, you, so what? You just inform me of all of this. I've never yeah. really thought about the fact that I'm I don't have a day. You don't. No, I've no, gone don't. through this entire life. I've worked hard my whole life and I don't have a day there's no hallmark card for me where's my hallmark card <laughs> I don't see I don't see any Hallmark movie representing me I want to make this clear that made it sound like I watch all the Hallmark movies and I would know <laughs> yeah. maybe they have. you
0: only watch about half of them
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: well, Brian Regan has a great bit about the, you know, all the different types of greeting cards and the ones that are blank inside. Who do you send these to? Hey, sorry you're feeling so blank inside. <laughs> then somebody asks the guy, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" I create these cards. There's nothing inside. I don't have to write anything. Just a picture on the front. I'm selling a crease. <laughs> <laughs> getting rich off of it it's you know i don't know I don't how know. about you just uh, celebrate being alive how about you celebrate yourself yeah wow. you go do that
2: okay thanks yeah. for eric's giving me all this advice this morning yeah i should be happy go celebrate yourself <laughs> i should be happy for things like uh it's like when people say my nephew will say it it's uncle gary how is it to be old you can't play basketball. Shut up! Don't be asking that. No, actually, it's better than the alternative.
0: Yeah. Well, I I actually love it. I love getting older because you get to the point and you realize everybody's calling you, sir. The guy that must have been in his mid forties the other day. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, sure. And holding the door for me. It's like, look, oh, I can I can open. The- you know what? No. No no no. Looking at it the wrong way. Thank you, young man.
2: No, I yes, actu- sir. I actually like this age better than any age I've been.
0: Yeah. And I
2: and it's simply because you've organized your mind better. You you don't make the same mistakes because you have you have the you have experience which means you've had many failures so you know what not to do and you learn not to worry about the small stuff as well, much. Well, that's
0: it. I, I can walk into Home Depot or Lowe's, and they don't ask me anymore, can I help you find something? They know that I know where everything <laughs> is. Right. They can just look at me by my age. Well, could, you didn't ask him if yeah. he needed help. Could, he doesn't
2: need help. Could look you get, at him. Could you get out of my way? Yeah. You're in my way. Yeah,
0: you can stop asking no. me questions. I, I need
2: help no, with I, that. No, I, I would rather be this age than any other age. Yeah. Now, Now, my dad will debate that. <laughs> my dad at 97. We'll say, well, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm here, but uh, you know, you can say that now at your age, but when you get to my age, there's a few more limitations yeah. that don't make life exactly a joy. And he mm-hmm. says it with a laugh. By mm-hmm. the way, he yeah. says, he's got a great sense of humor when he yeah, sure when he says that. And it's just because you know he has stenosis of the back and that it hurts. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's something that's constant, you know, uh, pain for him. That's yeah, they can't relieve. You know, and, mm-hmm. well, they could. He doesn't want to take the drugs that would relieve it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like I understand completely. So, but no, for me, I just I would rather be, uh, and I and I mean, professionally, personally, I mean across the board, I'd rather be this age than any other age. That takes some p- younger people, especially. Like really, oh, yeah, you know, I, I tell them you know wisdom, which is mm-hmm. basically learning from all your mistakes. It's mm-hmm. what it is. For instance, hot shot, you're about to go jump off that cliff without looking.
0: I've already been there, done that. Yeah, I know not to do that. I look. Yeah. You don't know yet. You're going to learn the hard way. Right. Exactly. Good luck.
2: You should have seen me at 14, 15 years old on oh, those cliffs. Yeah. I mean, Are you I'm, kidding I'm, me? Like, you, no fear of, no of death. And you figure that as human beings, you would have a bigger fear of death when you're younger and say, I got a whole life I could live. Yeah, I'm doing I've, the math. Here. I've got decades upon decades I could live if I just don't act stupid here, right? But it's like no. Then when you get older, it's like, oh, I got less time, but uh, it's a lot more valuable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so i i don't go I don't go peering over that cliff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was uh, like I said. Then again, that's the other thing too, with the stupid things I've done in my life. Uh, you know. Most of them seeking adventure, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) climbing cliffs, doing stupid things, race cars, things like that, that, you know, crashes there and, you know, just dumb things where it's like, I mean, I, I still have never, except for my tonsils. I've never been in a hospital overnight. Mm. Yeah. Knock on. Well, wait for it. Yeah. It all comes at once. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, many times my brother and I will say it all the time. Can you believe we're alive? Mm-hmm. It's like every day is a bonus. Isn't yeah. It? What do you mean? Like for the last 50 years, it's been a bonus.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: so. Exactly.
1: All right. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Yeah, looking at the uh, the uh, Daniel Perry situation in uh, New York City. Raised one point three million for his legal defense fund after being charged uh, uh, f- uh, in the uh, the killing of Jordan Neely. Um, the the problem from look we've said this up front. A lot of people jump immediately on board something. We wait till we get at least. Uh, a semblance of facts out there. But when you look at this case, Brag, there's automatic suspicion that he's going to be political in anything that he does. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that's what he has done. He's shown that he doesn't care about the law. He cares about a political narrative. So right at that point, you're going to have people look at anything he does and say it's a mistake. Yeah. No matter what. Number two, you have more witnesses coming forward now and talking to the media saying, no, he was justified in doing it. Yeah what you do in this type of situation, if you are a legit district attorney is you say, we're going to gather the facts and you put it to a grand jury. That's what you do. You have the people decide whether the prosecution should be done. Mm -hmm. You at least you go that grand jury route. Now, again, I don't know what happened. It cannot, you know, you can look at this and say, um, what would be the possible charges, uh, not knowing exactly what the witnesses will testify under oath? Okay, you don't know, right? Probably would be negligent homicide, even would be tough to reach manslaughter. Now, if uh, again, it's either self defense, right? Yeah, it's either right. self defense, mm-hmm. uh. The possibility self-defense negligent homicide maybe you could get to a low level manslaughter charge yeah and again, I'm stating these are the possible charges, not knowing anything from the witnesses, but as we know now, I know that one woman came out and said no he was totally justified in what he did mm-hmm. and so you understand why this is happening you know in this you know in in this case because she said no, he was threatening our lives.
0: Well, and and there was, yeah, more information. That's what a lot of the information has come out uh, from witnesses uh, really surrounds that. How much of a threat was the guy?
2: Right. That's right. That's because that's how it's judged. What Mm -hmm. is your what is your intent? Right. And, you know, and and so in self-defense, when if these people, you know, we felt terrorized, we felt threatened. Now again, it's what you're willing to say under oath.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, at at that point that gets you there. But this should have gone to a grand jury because yeah. nobody trusts yeah. Bragg. No one. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. And and the fact is, I think he's happy with that. Bragg wants people to know that he's political. Yeah. No, he I think wants he people to know I'm going to come after you if you do something that I don't like. Even if it's not against the law,
3: mm-hmm.
2: we're going to come after you. And those people that break the law, if they fit my particular political narrative, we're going to let them go.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's of his own doing. But this should have gone. Uh, the, the, a case like this, you put it to a grand jury. Yeah. Yeah. And, be and, and, and that's if you believe you're a prosecutor, you have a case. Or if you just, because it's so highly political, you just say, all right, we'll put the witnesses in front of a grand jury. And in well, New York, as we all know, you can, the grand jury can, you know, you uh, can interview any witness that they wish to right. to put in. And right. I'm assuming in this case, you, you would get all the witnesses into that grand jury. Right. Which is what you would want to do. But.
0: And, you know, with self-defense, it is about, all right, what did you feel in that moment? Did Penny believe that Neely was going to take his life or or hurt him or someone else at that point? And I think it's obvious with the witness testimony so far, just what we've seen, that Neely was a threat. Now the question is, all right, but you use this chokehold to do what? Well, in self-defense, his lawyers are going to say all he wanted to do is make, is, is make sure... That Neely was not going to hurt anyone else or right. hurt anyone at that point. And so the chokehold was to keep him down and restrain him. The intent was not to take his life. Well, then the problem is, all right, so what charge do you go for? Well, if it's a charge of murder, then, all right, you're saying then his in- intent was to take his life and or he didn't care whether or not if Neely lived. And the burden of proof there is substantial, and I don't know what you're going to get based on, again, what the jury will see, what they allow for uh, the all the pictures and, and videos that have come out of it. I don't know what the court will allow the jury to see, but it will be interesting uh, to see what the defense is how the defense is going to posture. I mean, it's going to be self-defense. That's going to be what they're going to right. claim. But you've got to get into the details of spelling that out, and it really gets into those final moments—those moments of when Neely was still alive to the point that he—that he's not—and—and and what caused that, and what was the intent, what, how much recklessness was involved. All of that is going to be part of it.
1: The Uniden America Studios.
2: And he is Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Yeah, thank you. So I just love this Jonathan Turley. This week, Representative Byron Donald uh, tried to do the impossible after he and his colleagues presented a labyrinth of LLC shell companies and accounts used to funnel as much as $10 million to Biden family members. Donald's tried to induce the press to show some interest in the massive corruption scandal. For those in the press, this easy pickings, this is easy pickings and Pulitzer-level stuff here, uh, right here. He pleaded. The response was virtually immediate, despite showing nine Biden family members allegedly receiving funds from corrupt figures in Romania, China, and other countries. The New Republic quickly ran a story headline, Republicans finally admit they have no incriminating evidence on Joe Biden. (laughs) For many of us, it was otherworldly. A decade ago, when then-Vice President Joe Biden was denouncing corruption in Romania and Ukraine and promising action by the United States... Massive payments were flowing to his son Hunter Biden and a variety of family members, including the Biden grandchildren. Last year, I wrote a column about how the media were preparing a difficult scandal implosion to protect the Bidens and themselves from the backlash from disclosures of this influence peddling operation. The brilliance of the Biden team was that it invested the media in the scandal at the outset by bearing the laptop story as Russian disinformation before the election. That was, of course, false, but it took two years for most major media outlets to admit that the laptop was authentic. But the media then ignored what was on the authentic laptop. Hundreds of emails detailed potentially uh, criminal conduct and raw influence peddling in foreign countries. Uh, when media outlets such as the New York Post confirmed the emails, the media then insisted that there was no cooperation of the influence peddling payments and no clear proof of criminal conduct. It entirely ignored the obvious corruption itself. Now that the House has released cooperation of actual money transfers linking many in the Biden family, the media is insisting that there is no scandal because there are no there is there has been no proof brought forward yet of direct payments to joe biden putting aside that this is only the fourth month of the investigation the media's demand of a direct payment to president biden is laughably absurd the payments were going to his family but he was the object of the influence Mm peddling the house has shown millions of dollars going to at least nine biden's like dividends from a family business as a longtime critic of influence peddling among both republicans and democrats i have never seen the equal of the bidens you and i said this yeah right we don't know of an influence no peddling scheme no in the in history as large as this one the whole purpose of influence peddling is to use family members as shields for corrupt officials Instead of making a direct payment to the politician, which could be seen as a bribe, you give the millions to his or her spouse or children. Moreover, those emails include references to Joe Biden getting a 10% cut of one Chinese deal. It also shows Biden Associates' warning not to use Joe Biden's name, but to employ code names like the big guy, at the same time the president of the first lady are referenced as benefiting from offices and receiving payments from Hunter. Indeed, Hunter complains that his father is taking half of everything he is raking in. None of that matters. New York Times ran a peace headline. House Republicans' report finds no evidence of wrongdoing by President Biden. That is putting aside evidence against all family members around Joe Biden It ignored that the uh, other evidence clearly shows Biden lied about his family not receiving Chinese funds or that he never had any knowledge of his son's business dealings. The fact is that the Times may have have indeed uh, be trying for another Pulitzer Prize. The newspaper previously won a Pulitzer for the now debunked Russia collusion story. Yeah. It was. Think about this. Wow. They they won a Pulitzer Prize for telling you disinformation. Yes. Wow. It was later revealed that the story was based on a dossier funded by the Clinton campaign and placed in the media by Clinton officials. Uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Bob Woodward warned the co-winner, the Washington Post, that the story was unreliable, but it was ignored. The Pulitzer committee refused to withdraw the award. Is that the first time in history that a Pulitzer prize has been awarded to a media outlet for getting a story wrong? That has been clearly
0: disproven. Disproven, yes. Wow. I would have to I would have to look that up. I would think it was
2: it's extremely rare. If not the only time, wow! What, and this is great, though. What Donalds failed to appreciate, maybe not, is that uh, that this is sometimes how Pulitzers are are made. Mm-hmm. Roughly 100 years ago, the New York Times reporter Walter Duranty won the Pulitzer for his coverage of the Soviet Union, despite serving as an apologist for Joe Stalin. Durante refused to report on actual conditions, from mass killing to starvation, in the quote "workers' paradise." Thus, when the Soviets were starving to death, as many as 10 million Ukrainians, the Times ran a Duranty story with the headline, Russians hungry but not starving. He not only spinned Stalin's labor camp that killed millions, but attacked reporters who sought to uncover the truth. Years later, Ukraine and various groups demanded that Durante's prize be rescinded, but the committee insisted that there was no clear and convincing evidence of deliberate deception. But you got the story wrong! Wow. What is most impressive about this week is that all but a few outlets seem to be angling for the next Durante Pulitzer In discussing modern Russian propaganda, researchers at Rand Corporation describe it as having two distinctive features, high numbers of channels and messages, and a shameless willingness to disseminate partial truths and outright fictions, which you get on the biggest scandals that we deal with today from where? The mainstream media, Mm -hmm. the Democratic-supported mainstream media that claims that they wish to get rid of disinformation, yet they promote it greater than any other media entity out there. Today we're seeing a much more dangerous phenomenon. The coverage this week has all the markings of a state media, the constant spin, the almost universal lack of details, the absurd distinctions. It is the blind side of our First Amendment which addresses the classic use of state authority to coerce and control the media. It does not address a circumstance stance in which most of the media will maintain an official line out of uh, out of by consent rather than by coercion. This is where you and I talked about, mm-hmm. and we said this years ago. I think this was with uh, Lois Lerner. I think we yeah, said the this whole in the, IRS I, the whole thing. IRS thing. Yeah. And we said, is it a conspiracy or is it culture? Well, because culture is worse than a conspiracy. Right. Because culture doesn't need an agreement. It's just a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Everybody knows you don't tell the truth.
0: They, If they think and act the same way naturally, it's much greater and much more effective than any conspiracy.
2: Now... We like Mr. Donalds here on this show. We believe he's a, a, uh, a growing force in the conservative movement mm-hmm. and has a great political future ahead of him. But he needs to understand. Now, he's a couple of decades younger than us, but he needs to understand, don't wish for the media anymore to become journalists. That's like asking football players to become golfers.
0: Tony I got, Romo, notwithstanding, I could have picked. <laughs> I could have picked another analogy.
2: I thought of that too. I go, okay, I got to pick another analogy. There are a few football players that are pretty good at golf. <laughs> they're not. They're not journalists, right? Mr. Donalds understand they don't wish to be journalists. They're not hurt by the fact that you're attempting to shame them that, look, this is Pulitzer-winning prize stuff out here. Take this and run with it, and you'll get the Pulitzer Prize. They don't care. Nope. They're not trying to be journalists. And we tell all Republicans and conservatives, stop wishing that they become journalists. They have no interest in becoming journalists. No none they're political activists they are not shamed when you consistently show that they're lying they move on to the next lie to promote the next lie yeah if you don't
0: care about lying you don't really care obviously about the truth or who learns the truth along the way so they don't feel shame when they're proven to be a liar they just move on to right. the next lie that's that's the game because is anything changing is there a threat of them losing what they have as a result of being found out no no they're celebrated the only threat is is if they win a pulitzer <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, it's it's a chance at greatness as far as they're concerned. Man, and that, I could I could win a Pulitzer for this lie.
2: That's why they all laughed when the president told the truth. Right. Yeah. Because they know they're not journalists. At
0: the correspondence dinner, right? At the
2: correspondence dinner, right. Yeah. They know that they are tools, they are stooges of the administration. Yep. That's why, as we told you, They're getting upset that Biden isn't holding press conferences because they're waiting for their talking points from the White House Mm -hmm. and they're not getting them and they feel helpless. They're not journalists digging for a story. They're political activists waiting to be led with the proper propaganda from the Democrat leadership. Once you understand what they believe their role is, then you no longer beg them or ask them to become journalists anymore because they can't.
0: Yeah, you understand what the end game is because their intent is always to move the needle. And they can only do that with lies. Yep.
2: 866-90-RED-EYE.
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Where will talks on the debt ceiling go? We'll get to that coming up here. In uh, in just uh, a little bit uh, more on uh, the Biden family mm. and where that investigation is uh, going to uh, to go. You saw Brittany Griner. The national anthem has hit her differently this time. Mm. Apparently, sitting in a jail cell in Russia. In Russia has mm-hmm. made her reevaluate. The National Anthem of the United States. Interesting. Here's the thing. When you tell young people over and over again that this is the worst place on the planet to live, and then they go someplace else and sit in a jail cell without due process, that might tend to change the way they think. I think there's something to that.
0: Yeah. I would subscribe to that theory of yours. Well, I do appreciate that,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: just you know, because it it really was promoted as well. This is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this before games and everything else. And it's just propaganda. And it's oh well. If you want to learn about propaganda, go sit in a Russian jail for months and months and months and months. See how that works out. Yeah, I'm yeah, wa-
2: I'm wait. Two things I'm waiting for Mm. It's going to come this summer. Mm. The one is, where is Kaepernick in the NFL? And the other one's going to be the call again. You get some liberal sports writer again. The call to stop the national anthem before NFL games.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to happen. And the military stuff, too. Yeah. There's no
2: reason to promote the military industrial Mm -hmm. concept. Yeah. Excuse excuse me. (laughs) Complex. Complex. Mm -hmm. Complex.
1: is red-eye radio
2: all across america and around the world we are red-eye radio he is eric harley and i'm gary mcnamara looky looky at this what what do you got here's a headline aoc's former aide now leader of the new york communist party a former aide to aoc is now a senior official within the new york state communist party hmm. Uh, records show uh, that, by the New York Post, show that 33-year-old Justine Medina worked for AOC's campaign for much of 2020. After working for the congresswoman, uh, Medina was named co-chair of the New York Communist League by the People's World, a publication of the Communist Party. The publication now lists Medina serving as the ex- on the executive committee of the New York State Communist Party. Uh, who was also uh, active in the Amazon Labor Union. Uh, As an aide to uh, AOC, Medina says she was responsible for organizing and writing policy language with anti-war veterans and the peace movement. Her years-old tweets highlighted by the Post show her proclaiming her alignment with communism. Mm. Well, I am a communist, but work for AOC, and uh, help uh, uh, start the Queen's DSA electoral WG. So I definitely see utility in working on the AOC campaign. She tweeted in October of 2020. I don't know what that all means, hmm. but uh, there you go. Not surprising at all. Yeah, <clears throat> as yeah. we sure. uh, as we told you, the Green New Deal is basically communism. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, It's not a surprise. You know, we just don't throw out this rhetoric. We just don't throw stuff out. It has to be based on something if we're going to throw something out. And Mm -hmm. you see that the commies are getting closer to AOC. Yeah. They're working for AOC. She's proposing commie stuff. I just like saying commie. Yeah. Uh,
0: It's uh, no shocker. No surprise. Uh, I, I, is it any indication that she's not communist enough? <laughs> Sorry, I got to move on.
2: <laughs> I got
0: to work for the party. You're not communist enough.
2: You know, you're a commie, but you're not a pinko. You're just, you're just not quite you know, you there gotta yet. The, you got to have the pinko in there yeah, too.
0: Yeah. Would you just, you know. We're commie pinko. Maybe one day, but not, not yet. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Wow, that's how bad it is. Now we warned AOC and others at at some point you won't be far left enough, and I think we clearly reached the point. Look, if your own staffers are leaving you for the Communist Party. Then I think it's clear you you've got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was inevitable um, that we would get to this point of, you know, the insanity. Uh, by the way, she had also said, this is, This goes back a couple of weeks, she's not going to be running for Senate. Uh, Senate.
2: Yeah, I saw that.
0: I really think, I, I think she doesn't like the gig. We talked about this, and she... At one, one point, man, this is this goes back over a year, longer. And she talked about how crazy the process is in the House.
2: And I don't think she likes it with Republicans in charge.
0: Either. Yeah, she certainly, I'm sure, doesn't like it. With That was back when the Democrats were in charge she didn't like mm-hmm. it. I guarantee you she hates it now. But I think she believes she can be a greater influence elsewhere. And I wouldn't be surprised to see her do something else. You know, she likes the celebrity part of it. She likes the notoriety. Yeah. But you, you fade into the background, certainly when the opposition party is in charge in the House, you fade into the background more and more. And then what do you do? How do you get noticed? If you're someone like her, you keep screaming Green New Deal. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you keep you keep being as radical as possible, and hope that MSNBC comes, uh, yeah, comes for you. Yeah, All I mean right, that that would be it. I mean, look when you got you know when 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 you look at and and we go back to the um, what's her name lawsuit. Oh, I can't think of it. Not Joy Reid, Rachel um, Maddow. Rachel Ma- the Rachel Maddow lawsuit. When you th- really think about it, you know because uh, you know she was looking at you know, the entire, uh, uh, you know, Dominion lawsuit and all that. Mm-hmm. But we had talked when the Dominion lawsuit came and said, think about this, that when when um, Rachel Maddow was sued for defamation, the judge actually said there can be no defamation because, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I believe this is completely, I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating any, any of this, but basically Rachel Maddow, everyone knows she lies. Mm-hmm. She knows she lies. The audience knows she's lies. Mm-hmm. She knows the audience knows that she's lying. Therefore, if everybody knows that it's a lie, and that's what your shtick is, your shtick isn't, I'm telling the truth, but it's obvious to everybody that it's a lie, then how can you defame someone? Right. And as I said basically, the judge gave her the parody out. Yeah. You know, you're doing parody, so, of course, everything you say is inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say she was doing parody. The judge, or I don't know if it was a he or she, judge, but the judge didn't say this is parody and under the parody exemption. No. He just basically made the case that, look, everybody knows she's lying about everything all the time. And so there is no expectation that you're ever going to get truth. Right. Truth would be an interesting expectation if you got that. That mm-hmm. would be a little, whoa, that might change it, but nobody expects it. So why not put AOC in there? Right. Yeah, why not? Yep, it is,
0: uh, mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe that's where she wants to end up because she believes, well, I can bring about more change through that oh. kind of influence. But
2: she got a million-dollar paycheck instead of the 170-something living in Washington. and. hmm you know, drinking wine and setting up furniture in her place at night. Yeah, exactly. Does she still do those little things anymore? Those, I don't know. I've seen one in a while.
0: I don't know. I would guess so. I would guess she's not giving that up. Wants or, to be the influencer.
2: She may not be running for Senate, but Rick Perry teased, you know, that he might run for president. Former former Energy Secretary and Texas Governor. Rick Perry on Sunday teased a possible 2024 presidential run while declining to support Donald Trump's campaign, becoming the latest uh, one-time Trump appointee to distance himself from, from the former president's third White House bid. Perry, who unsuccessfully sought the 2012 and 2016 GOP presidential nomination, told CNN's Jim Acosta in an interview, wow, everybody's doing interviews with CNN now, huh? I guess so. Uh, That he hasn't written off the idea of running for president in 2024, saying there was a lot of time before a decision would need to be made. When asked if he believes Trump should be the Republican nominee next year, the former Texas governor said, I'm still trying to sort that out for myself. He may get to hear me call him uh, him names again, Perry added, alluding to the previous clashes between the two men in the 2016 Republican primaries. If you recall, I didn't announce for president in 2011 until August, so we've got a lot of time left. When asked specifically if he was considering another run for the president, he said it's early in the process, I think, for any of us uh, to sit back and say, I am for this person or for that person. It certainly is something that I haven't taken off the table, but the chances of it happening are probably a little bit slim. I don't believe he'll be running. I don't think he'll be running.
0: Yeah. uh, If you see DeSantis get in, which could happen any day now, then I think it's going to be, the decision is going to be down to those two.
2: You know the Perry Trump is a, and DeSantis. Perry is the longest-serving Texas governor. Was mm-hmm. he, I mean, still is longest-serving Texas governor. Yeah, in history.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I mean, and and there are a number of great governors who then went on to run and you know for president and. Didn't really go very far. I think the difference in this case where DeSantis has the advantage in that case is what he has done in Florida. Uh, a number of success stories from Governor Perry in Texas. Um, and But DeSantis has really been in the national spotlight. And I think in terms of the party and what he's done, for his party in his state. Then that gives you. At least the advantage for now. I don't know how much longer. That advantage would hold. If that if that doesn't continue to be the case.
2: Well I'm looking here at a couple of articles. Both National Review. DeSantis enjoys huge haul. Of Iowa endorsements ahead of visit. Mm-hmm. DeSantis builds the party. While Trump drains it. And these are two stories. Mm-hmm. You know when you and there's a lot of other stories out there that I read over the weekend too. There's talking about that what DeSantis is planning on uh, on doing, and he still plans on what the scuttlebutt is. He still plans on running. That um, you know, I get things done without any drama. You know, mm. That's one thing. I mean, mm-hmm. that he wants to promote. Mm. I don't know how you campaign actively for that.
0: Yeah, that's you know obviously he wants to get straight. Well. Do what he's known for: getting straight to the point on right. on things and not being uh, reliant on social media to carry
2: things. And so, it'll be interesting to see how he phrases responses when Trump attacks him. Yeah, uh, and you know the Trumps. What do you think about Trump still using the, the sanctimonious? I mean, it's just. Yeah, does, does it, does, it does didn't it have, really take off to begin with. Yeah, it never took off. You know, it, in fact, DeSantis laughed at it. I'm you know, not sure what it means, but mm-hmm. that's fine if he wishes to name call. That's not what we're about. Mm-hmm. You know, we get the job done, and and that's being promoted by other Republicans right now. But the the part that they're saying is, DeSantis wants to be the leader of a much more united. Republican Party Mm -hmm. he and so he's going out and it listed all the places he's going to small places and doing fundraising for local and state uh, 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 officials he's going to be all over the country doing it Mm -hmm. and they're responding I mean it's record donations when he comes into town right and record attendance at these campaign fundraisers from what they traditionally were Mm -hmm. and they say his whole point is we're a party together I'm going to help you, I help you, you help me. Right. So that's not Trump's relationship with the Republican Party at all. Right. Not that he won't do a campaign stop for somebody, but he's not into the fundraising for others as DeSantis has been over the last couple of months. And that's what DeSantis is trying to build before the primary, you know, with members of the Republican Party all over the country. I'm here to help you too. Right and look, I don't know whether it will make any difference or not. Like I don't know if him if him saying, um, you know, that I'm about getting the job done and not about drama will work either. There's a significant portion of Trump supporters that love the drama. Mm-hmm. They live for. Look at last week. They love that drama. They love winning. We talked about this during um, oh 2019, 2020, 2015, 2016 about winning the war not just the battle and i remember getting pushback you and I, you i'm sure you do too from trump supporters saying we don't care we got to win every battle every battle doesn't matter how small it is you win it no you win the war that's what you win you win the big ones you don't need to be arguing everything and they disagreed no argue everything debate everything win every point i mean a lot of trump supporters thought that the debate last week with that host at cnn who was extremely weak was a huge moment for the Trump campaign. Well, it might have been for that moment, but it didn't last. It's did not going to last. You know, you have the mainstream media on the Sunday morning news show still talking about it because they hated him being on, but it wasn't any big moment in the entire campaign at all.
0: Well, you know, it, it really gets back mm-hmm. to the fundraising. Uh and it's too early to know where the money is going to go. Trump has by most accounts somewhere around 120 million or had that at the beginning of this year. I don't know how much he has right now. But let's say he safely has 90 to 100 million. I'd be surprised if he didn't have more if he had 120 million at the beginning of this year in his war chest. Uh that's a huge head start. But it also if the money dries up If the flow of money slows down, then it is possible for another candidate to come in and get a leg up on you, money-wise. And, you know, we'll see where the big money goes. But right now, I think the donors, it appears that the donors are kind of holding until DeSantis decides.
2: Well, if he can, uh, if he successfully transfers his state to... This campaign, the campaign money, Desantis already has in mm-hmm, hand. Mm-hmm. He's got what forty million. Yeah, yeah, something like that.
0: Well, and the big money
2: forty forty five can million, come in very afterwards. Quickly. Right,
0: right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but, you know, it's yeah. it, it. There has <clears throat> to be again, and the campaigning, the spending on the on the ads, won't even begin until the summer. So, Desantis will be in or out by then. We'll know for sure whether he's in or not.
2: Eight six six ninety red eye
6: Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance safety accountability. At the core of Compliance Safety Accountability, or CSA, is FMCSA's Safety Measurement System, or SMS. The SMS uses seven safety improvement categories called basics to examine a carrier's on-road performance and potential crash risk. The categories of basics are unsafe driving, hours of service compliance, driver fitness, controlled substances and alcohol, vehicle maintenance, hazardous materials compliance, and crash indicator. Under FMCSA's old measurement system, carrier performance was assessed in only four broad categories. Violations or crashes that have occurred within the previous 24 months of performance data are included in CSA calculations, but more recent events are weighted more heavily than older events. Violations or crashes that have happened within the past six months are weighted 33% more than events that occurred six to 12 months ago. And violations that are older than a year are weighted 66% less than recent violations. This allows a carrier to improve their CSA score gradually as they see fewer and fewer violations. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com.
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, uh, Desantis will he announce this week, next week, the week after? There were remember the scuttlebutt about a week and a half ago that he was going to announce this week, but I don't see any indication that he's going to. Yeah. But uh, how how does Desantis win in this case? What will his strategy be? We'll get to some of that uh, coming up. Eight six six ninety Red Eye.
1: show that got you through Biden's nuclear winter yeah. so far. Good luck. Red Eye Radio.
2: <laughs> and I'm Gary McNamara. He is uh, Eric Harley. So uh, here we go. I would assume in the next month, maybe in the next couple of weeks, you could see DeSantis uh, announce this would be the time frame when he said uh, maybe he decides to wait. I wonder whether some of the... Um, Disintegration in his numbers is because people are saying, "Why won't he announce?" Since Trump announced so soon, I don't know whether that's the case or not. Uh, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch this because I do think he's running. I don't. I think all the indications are that he is. He wouldn't be doing all the fundraising mm-hmm. around the country if he didn't plan on running. So I'd be very surprised if he did not run. But if he does uh Trump will immediately, you know, uh, attack him. Uh, I don't know how good, because the only thing he was attacking him on about a month ago was Social Security, but that didn't go anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to say that uh, he's had the support of the Bushes and Jeb Bush came out in February and said, no, I, I didn't endorse him. I like him. I didn't endorse him. Mm-hmm. And it's was like, OK, will that hold any water? You go to social media and you see the loyal, loyal Trump supporters. He's a rhino. You know, things like yeah, that. Right, you know, right. I, does that have any effect he's, anymore? He's
0: part of the establishment. Right. This is why the establish, establishment really wants him. And I, I don't know. I, I don't think that it does. Because it gets down to the comparison of the two. You know, it's one thing to, I guess, um, position, try and position the opposition, your your opponent, as as one thing. But when compared side by side, it becomes very different. Now, that works for Trump and against Trump. Where it works for him is... He served as president, and the whole COVID thing, notwithstanding, the economy was doing well. Things were different.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, you ask yourself, okay, does DeSantis have the ability to do that? Well, it's one thing to believe they do, but if it's been proven in four years of, of service, that's another thing. Well, where he stands out is, all right, he was able to bring his party together. And also the fact that on the issues, the two are very similar, which means there's reason to believe that the economy and things in the economy and policy would be very similar. So then it gets down to, okay, what would be the difference? DeSantis, so far, has been a more measured approach with with Trump the question is first of all um in creating policy like the steel tariffs remember he created that policy on the fly you know when he announced that and it was and everybody was like, whoa 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 what are you doing you know this you have to work up to this you know this point you can't just throw that out there and create policy on the fly and leave everyone in your administration wondering, you know, what just happened, right? So the unpredictable nature to that extent, that goes beyond the social media, whatever people have a problem with on social media. If they believe that his nature is unpredictable in action with any kind of policy, that's going to be a problem. If they don't trust it, then that's going to be a problem for Trump. And the question is, where does DeSantis differ? Do they believe that he can bring the party together, or do they believe he's part of the establishment and he'll be up there with Mitch McConnell, just doing Mitch McConnell things? I don't, you know, that's that's going to kind of be the your spectrum between the two is kind of la, uh, laid out at least. For now, that's kind of the layout of the of the two side by side. Here's uh,
2: here's what got me. One of the things that got me thinking uh, about this, you know, about when DeSantis runs, and this is uh, the uh, leaders of the Oregon legislature, uh, hmm. Republican. Why we leaders of the Iowa legislature are endorsing Ron DeSantis for president? Uh, in our view, no one comes close to DeSantis's record and resolve. He has won the biggest fights in Florida. And he's brought all Floridians along while doing it, which is the fact, OK, uh, he's pushing the Republican conservative agenda. He's winning and he's convincing people that it's the right way to go.
0: They can build a consensus.
2: <clears throat> right. He says today we helped lead the Iowa state legislature throughout uh, our political careers. We've stood for conservative values and policies in our state. That's why today we're thrilled to announce our endorsement of Governor Ron DeSantis for President of the United States. As Americans, we respect those who earn their keep. Since our country's founding, we valued hard work and excellence. American prize those with a track record of success, and Republicans believe in merit as an ideal to be upheld, not as something to worry about, as many on the left see it. It's that belief in merit that's behind our endorsement of Governor DeSantis. Simply put, he's proven... Himself a shining example of conservative leadership, and he has accomplished an ambitious agenda that has propelled his state forward. During the pandemic, when others were pressured to close their schools, DeSantis went where the evidence led and put teachers and students back in the classroom where they belong. By the way, you know, you and I talked about this when Trump was started attacking DeSantis on COVID, and we said, you need to be quiet. We said to Trump on that one, you need to be quiet. Why? What does DeSantis have against you? You let Fauci lead. You can't win that. Yeah, there it, is. Even with Trump, you may, that may not change a Trump supporter's mind. A Trump right. supporter can't argue that point. Right. You let Fauci lead. It's going, it, the whole COVID thing is a wash. Oh, I think there, so too. Yeah, there's, I not, think, yeah. There's,
0: not a, there's not a win for either <clears> one. And so anything that they, you know, try and and, and promote Nobody wants to hear it because nobody wants to live in the moment of then. We live in the moment mm-hmm. of today. You know, and and so everything about it, I mean, if you were to say, look. I, I don't think it would be a good idea for Trump to go out and promote. I was the one that got the vaccines to the market so quickly. Yeah. Yep. Well, back in 2020. It was. It was a good idea for him to promote that. And the left was laughing at him Mm -hmm. for saying that, no, it's going to be here soon, in a matter of weeks. And it was. But, again, we don't live in the moment of then. We live in the moment of
2: now. So more recently, he's been resolute on vital issues such as school choice, tort reform, and parents' rights mirroring many of the same successes we've accomplished here in Iowa. And he's taken on entrenched interest and vicious opponents and won battle after battle. In the recent legislative session, he and the Florida legislature uh, passed what might rank as the most comprehensive conservative agenda in the country. And what is the net effect of all this effort? Florida has grown its state population. It's the number one state in the country for economic growth and new business creation, it has historically low unemployment, well below the national average. It has the lowest per capita state tax and state debt burden among large states. That is effective leadership, and it is what the country needs and deserves. And then they give, you know, you, you can go and click to see, mm-hmm. you know, where they got, you know, their uh, their statistics on Florida. Right. Uh, There, but uh, that's I'm not going to get into the debate of what states number one, uh, economically speaking, I'm I want to focus on, you know, what the Republicans in Iowa uh, are using to support DeSantis. Mm -hmm. There are so many wild cards here. First off, will Trump ever get out there and promote his accomplishments instead of the election? Can he do that? the election of 2020? Can he promote his accomplishments and what he has done, compare it to Biden and say, I'm the only one because I've been tested on the national level as president of the United States. Uh, DeSantis, a good man, doesn't have the experience I have leading uh, us. And let me finish what we started the first four years. That's an effective point. I've got the leadership as president. He's done a good job over there, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be that way. No, I, don't, no it, I,
0: I suspect it won't.
2: It, it's going to be, I believe it's going to be extremely, you know, a vicious campaign against DeSantis. I don't know how DeSantis responds, uh, except for the fact he responds the way he always does sort of laugh and said, Look, we're worried. We're, you know, we're about getting the work done. We're about doing this. He can name call all he wants, whatever. Then the rep- Then the reporters will be egging him on to answer. Oh, yeah, they he does, want the drama. He, right. Yeah, he does, sure. So he can continue saying, look, we're about getting the work done. We're about getting the work done. We're about moving things forward. You know, that's his style to do it. That's not my style. My style is to do Can he keep, as the, as the rhetoric gets hotter, can DeSantis be effective by doing that? I don't know if he can. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he shouldn't. Because it probably is the right way to campaign. I just don't know in this environment whether it will work or not. But a lot depends on a ton of different things. Trump still has a ton of legal stuff over the next year Mm -hmm. that he has to deal with. Who knows how any of that's going to turn out?
0: Well, then you you have to ask and wonder beyond the primary. If DeSantis were to get in and win the primary and become the nominee, how much do you have to worry about winning over the hardcore Trump supporters? The question would be, how many are there at that point? And I don't know. It's I, I haven't been able to gauge that properly uh, as of right now. I certainly can't gauge that properly in the summer of next year. I
2: don't know. And then so much of it even in the primary, goes to where Biden stands, how weak Mm -hmm. he is Mm -hmm. at a particular point. Now, Mm -hmm. you and I have noticed that there's been a constant slow, you know, uh, degradation in his numbers, Mm -hmm. degrading his his polling numbers. Mm -hmm. Civics now still at, let me just see if they still are, they were an hour ago. They've been at minus 17 the entire weekend. Mm. Yeah, still there, minus 17. Yeah. yeah. And we know some of the, you know, we're getting up to minus 20 in the polling right. uh, for uh, for Biden. And still we have a long time, we have a long time left in this presidency. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, what if, what if he decides to drop out and Harris is next? I don't know how if this all affects it, but he is a wild card because he is so bad. Mm-hmm. Biden is so bad and Harris would be so bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just wonder the only one who would be might take it in a different direction might possibly be Newsom. Just because he has the look. You know, and and, but will that change it? Would would that change it if Newsom got in? In four months, because Biden said, I'm not going to run. Would more people believe then that DeSantis is more electable? Than Trump at that point, because it's not Biden anymore. I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing these out as all questions at any no, but the political gauge,
0: the gauge analysis. changes drastically with that because the old the whole age thing with Biden is is gone at that point.
2: Yep, and the age thing becomes Trump. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yep. And also the whole idea of new blood, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Just all together. We don't want anybody that's been president already. Then that comes in if they've got a choice. I I, I think it does change. Eight six six ninety red
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Coming up on the top of the hour, more on this whole thing of DeSantis uh, versus uh, Trump, if DeSantis uh, announces here in the relatively near near future. Mm. Uh, And just looking at the Des Moines Register, where a couple of the leaders of the Iowa legislature, Republicans, gave their endorsement to DeSantis. And I'm going to read the part of it coming up on the top of the hour that sounds like basically it could be a... A commercial mm. for DeSantis. Mm. This could be an ad. Yeah. And so you look at it and you say, okay, is this what you pound over and over again? Mm. And would it be effective uh, against uh, against Trump? Yeah, right. You know, and is Trump going to change his campaigning? Well, and and that's the question. The way you, that he campaigns. You, and, you don't yeah.
0: know day to day what it's going to be, yeah. right? Uh, I also saw that the uh, former uh, congressman Will Hurd said he will decide soon whether he's going to run. Yeah, don't know that anybody's calling for Will Hurd to run. You know, uh, all due respect, there isn't a huge, huge group of people calling
2: for that. Cheney in yet Kasich. <laughs> <laughs>